0: Hello friends, this is George and I wanted to jump on here and just give you a little introduction to uh this Sunday's teaching. We've been in this series of worship in every direction and just looking at uh the ways that we worship with our lives. Like worship is more than just gathering on a Sunday morning and singing songs and praying prayers and reading the scriptures, but Worship can actually, and should be, how we live our lives every day. We honor God with the ways that we live. And so we've been having fun just looking at the different directions and the different ways that we can begin to see worship um, a part of our everyday lives. One Sunday, we brought in um, our friends from Operation Andrew Group, which is just a wonderful organization here in Nashville that is bringing churches and people together um, and just just To work together. Like, you know, the church in a lot of ways is divided. And so they're an organization that works really hard bringing pastors together in churches so we could do better work in the city. Well, they just this last year uh, did some research with the George Bonner Group on the needs of Nashville, what churched and unchurched people say are their needs, and how they see faith in the church. And so we brought uh, some representatives in from Operation Andrew to um, share with our congregation that would help kind of shape us. As a church, well, on Sunday uh, we brought in Adam Broussard, uh from Operation Andrew, and one of my greatest fears, for friends, is like messing up names. Well, I do this all the time; like I mess up phrases or invert parts of words, and or make up a word on the spot. Um, if you listen, you probably hear me do that. Um, thanks. Just know I stuttered as a kid, so I'm overcoming a lot um, to do these kinds of things. But I'm just learning to live with uh, being as unimpressive as I actually am just learning to laugh at myself. But one of, uh, those fears is just messing up people's names. And would you believe it? I did it on Sunday, introducing my new friend, Adam, uh, who works for operation Andrew. So when I introduced him, I introduced him as Andrew from operation Andrew, but it's actually, Adam. so anyhow, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you'll hear that at the very beginning of this. But if you're in Nashville, um, you'll find this to be really fascinating. If you're not in Nashville, I hope some of this will translate uh, for you in the city that you live in. Uh, But thanks for listening here. And if you are in Nashville, please come out and visit with us on a Sunday morning. We'd love to see you out at a gathering. But it means the world to us that you uh, join us here. So enjoy this teaching on the state of Nashville. I want to get our pastors together in Bellevue, and would you please help me do that in some way? So she did this event, and it was a breakfast, and I went, and I showed up, and I didn't know what I was going to, um, and they said they had this guy named Adam from Operation Andrew that was going to be speaking to us, and I didn't even know, I've been in Nashville 20, over 25 years now, I didn't know what Operation Andrew was, but I went out that morning, but here's what happened, um, I got up that morning, and I was not feeling my best. And so Debbie asked me, she says, what are you going to do today? I got this breakfast I'm going to go to, but I'm actually thinking about bailing on it because I don't feel good. And she asked what it was. And she says, that's what pastors in Bellevue, you got to go. I don't care how sick you are. So my wife kind of pushed me out the door, and I'm so thankful for that because um, I was so close to not going. But Andrew, uh, at that breakfast, spoke to us pastors and uh, Andrew works for an organization, I already said, Operation Andrew, and they are doing some beautiful work in our city. And here's what they're trying to do. They're trying to bring churches together, people, not just churches and not just pastors, but people together to understand what the needs of our city are so that the body of Christ can do better work, can be more helpful to God's purpose in the city by knowing what it is that our city needs. And I set that morning and listened to him, and I was like, wow, I really would love our whole community to hear this. And so I reached out to Andrew, and he said yes, and here he is this morning. But I've only known him for a couple weeks, but I know this guy is going to become a dear friend. He already is. So would you guys help me welcome Andrew Buzard?
1: Adam. Operation Andrew. My name is Adam. You know that. Operation Andrew gets everyone confused. Yes. Uh, so do you know how many emails I get a day to Andrew? Do you know what I, do you, do you know so what I, many do
0: you know what I said to Seth after that breakfast? He was asking me what I did that week, and I said, Oh, I was at this breakfast, and I said, I met this guy named Aaron Buzzard. <laughs> his name's Bazard. Aaron Buzzard and, uh, and he's like, Hey, I know a guy, but his name is Adam Buzzard. <laughs> and I'm going, Wait, wait, let me look at the email. Oh, it was Adam.
1: <laughs> so I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you're great. Adam Bazard. I had so many emails. Operation Andrew gets everyone so confused. Good morning, everybody. (laughs) It's the worst. It's the worst. Good morning. How are you all? Uh, I'm Adam. I work for Operation Andrew Group, a terribly named nonprofit that was started in 2000. So that George has not heard of us is not great. Uh, We're going to work on that. But it started in the year 2000 as a group of pastors coming together and say, hey, Nashville needs to know each other, and it needs to start with the church. And so for the past 23 years, that's been a thing that's happened, and it's been centered around one particular verse in John 17. In Jesus' final prayer, before he goes to the—before he is confronted by the Pharisees, by the Roman Empire, to be taken to the cross, to be taken to trial— He prays this prayer in John 17, 21 through 23. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I am them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The world will know... Jesus is in God, and God is in Jesus, and Jesus is in the world, and we are for them, and God is for us. When the when the followers of Jesus are in complete unity, how is that going? How are we doing? Not great. <laughs> Bad is kind way of saying it. Uh, and so, Operation Andrew Group emerged out of this verse, and we have three programs. I'll hit them briefly. United for Pastors brings pastors together across ecumenical differences, racial, ethnic, socioeconomic, and geographic to build community, to support one another. It is hard to be a pastor. I was a pastor for over a decade, uh, and it is very hard in this world to do that. We do United for Hope, which partners churches with schools. We're gonna talk about that in a minute. And then we have Oak Project, which because of Nashville's enormous growth, one of the needs we've heard is that young professionals have no idea how to live out their faith in the workplace. And not only live out their faith, but they don't know how to be in the workplace. How do I ask for a raise? How do I love my neighbor in a cubicle when they're cutting their fingernails uh, during lunch? That's gross, how do I love them? Uh, How do I do these things? Oak is a year-long vocational discipleship program that does that. But really, besides programs, today we're gonna talk about Nashville. And we're going to talk about the city of Nashville. And I know that for many of us, we woke up to a world at war. If you check the news, you saw the terrorist attacks of Hamas. You saw Israel, the Israeli retaliation. You know the innocent Palestinians and Israeli people who are dying and who are injured. And it is devastating. And so it feels heavy to talk about Nashville and to say, let's disconnect ourselves from the world we live in. But I believe that a conversation about Nashville actually connects us deeper into the realities of our world. And so um, I just want to pray and then we're gonna jump into the city. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the cool air, the bright sun, the way that you are at work here in West Nashville, the way you are at work in South Nashville the way you are at work in Knoxville and around the world. God, our hearts cry out for shalom, for wholeness and peace through justice. In a world that needs you, God, may we hear how we can be instruments of your transformation in our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. So a couple years ago, 2021, 2021, nothing was happening in our world. It was fine. And so everything was normal. And so I decided to meet with pastors and just listen. Hey, what's going on? How are you? How's our world? How's our city? How How are things going? And I kept getting this resounding response, which was, I don't know. I don't know where my people are. I don't know how they're doing. I don't know what's happening in our city. I don't know what's happening in Nashville. I don't know what's going on. And it was just this burden that I kept hearing from pastors from across throughout the city, from this across theological spectrums. Everyone was just kind of confused. And as I was thinking through the theology of the city, the story of God's people in the Bible begins in a garden around a tree and it ends in the center of a city around a tree. And so there's this theology of city that is just carried through scripture. And the result of scripture is a renewed people in a renewed city. So what does it mean to renew a city? What does it mean to renew Nashville? And so just out of curiosity, how many, how, if you've been here for less than a year, show of hands. Okay. Old hats. Great. Oh, Welcome. Glad you're here. Uh, did you move from California? Because then we will judge you. Uh, if you. Who's been here under five years? Great. Under 10 years? couple. Less than 15? That's me. Less than, t- or under 20 years? All right. Greater than 20? Wow. Okay. So, you all have seen some things. And continue to see some things. So in listening to pastors and people, my theory was that people who have been here for different amounts of time have experienced the city differently. And so we partnered with an organization called the Barna Group, who does faith-based research throughout the world to come and do what we have called the state of Nashville, to study the city of Nashville across age, demographics, race, ethnicity, education level, zip code, how long you've been in the city, and your experience of faith. How do you identify faith-wise? And if you answered as a follower of Jesus, you got a certain set of questions, and if you answered differently, then you got a different set of questions. And we wanted to know, how's Nashville doing? And this is really built around the story of Nehemiah. If you remember the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah was enslaved, and there's this story where he keeps hearing from the city, and he keeps hearing that the city is not well. That's what he kept hearing. The city is not well. The city is not well. The city is not well. And his heart cries out that the city does not have to be this way. And so that's his main prayer through the book of Nehemiah. The city does not have to be this way. And so I was listening to pastors, and I was hearing the city is not well, and the city doesn't have to be this way. And so what are we going to do about it? And so Nehemiah. Gets permission, goes to the city, and he goes and listens to every corner of the city, every neighborhood, every community, every person. He listens. Before he does anything, he listens. The State of Nashville study that we did with Barna is our version of listening to the city. We went to every corner, every demographic, every person group, and we said, and we asked everybody these questions. How is it going? And then so he listens to everyone. And so my question for you is to turn to your neighbor. And if you could ask everyone in our city, one question, what would you ask them? Everyone, one question. So turn to your neighbor. Yes, I want you to turn. I would like you to do that. I can see you all. I invite you to turn to your neighbor. And if you could ask any question of our city, what would you ask? Any question? Anyone's neighbor have a great question? Where are you from? Where are you from? <laughs> well, apparently you all are from Nashville. So, uh, the simple question, uh, how are you doing? How are you doing? Oh, but not just leaving, but... oh yeah, not the polite thing. Yeah. yeah, that was weird. When you come to the South and someone asks how you're doing and you begin to tell them and they're like, "No, no, 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 no." Yeah. Uh, this is a grocery store transaction. This isn't a, I didn't actually mean that. Yeah. No. How are you doing? You say fine. I say good. We go about our day. Uh, yeah. No, but seriously, how are you? We wanted to know that. So we asked over hundred questions and they came into these, and they came across these categories, which um, can be up here. Human flourishing. How are you? Worldview, spirituality, and beliefs. What do you think and what do you believe? views on the church, Christians and pastors. We asked Christians, and we asked those who identify differently than Christian what they think. Church and community engagement, church preferences, unchurch people's barriers. What's keeping you from church? So we asked over 100 questions. We're not going to go through all 100 today. They're fascinating. You would love them. There's a book coming out. It's fine. I wrote it. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Um, a couple weeks from now, you can have a physical copy. I would love that. Aaron, Aaron Buzzard wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So let's start with something really just really fun. Why do people choose a church? Why do people choose a church? The number one answer, may surprise you, the number one reason people choose a church to show up at, the pastor, the leader, the number one reason. Now, as someone who was a pastor, that is worst case scenario. Please don't choose a church because of me. I'm going to disappoint you immediately. And you all are like, yeah, no, we got that part. Yeah, that actually resonates with us. Um, and you can email me at aaron.buzzard at (laughs) gmail. But people, I know it's a little blurry, but um, number one reason is people choose pastors. Now, October is Pastor Appreciation Month, and pastors are under a unique set of stress of the call of God upon their lives to spiritually lead their community, and also now this pressure of like, hey, we're choosing church because of you, and if you all know by driving around West Nashville... Or Nashville in general, there are lots of options to choose. And so if you're choosing because of a pastor, that puts a unique pressure that pastors were already feeling. And for me, that was just like: I don't, I want you to choose it because of the community, because of the mission, because of our our expression of God, all these other things. The last reason that people choose a church is facilities. I think that's fascinating. Because most of my budget in my life as a pastor went to facilities. And so that's the least reason people choose a church. And i just like us to do, this is the number one people show up at a church. But we're going to get into why they stay in in a little bit. So who is, so if they choose for a church because of its leader, what do they actually think of leaders? Well, we asked that. 17% of unchurched adults say they would trust a church in their city with an emotional need. 13% of women. Only 17% of people not in the church would trust a leader with their emotional needs. Can we be honest and say that our city has emotional needs? We are reeling from a tornado that devastated a significant portion of our city, a pandemic that disproportionately impacted Nashville's industries and community, Uh, a derecho storm that left Maine without power for over a week. We had a Christmas morning bombing we had flooding, we have had a school shooting. Our city, our people have emotional needs and yet they're not turning to our spiritual leaders for this. Now the stat that drives a lot of my work is the second one that you see up here. 31% of church adults say they would trust another church's leader. But we just read in John 17 that the world will know based on our unity. but only 30%. That means 70% of us that attend church, that's me, do not trust other churches' leadership. What a divisive time in our city, and what a beautiful opportunity for us to show up. A lot of these stats that we're going to see are going to feel like an indictment of the church, They're going to feel like an indictment of Nashville. They're going to feel like an indictment of our our systems and our structures and our people. But what I hope you hear in our time this morning is the invitation into life with our neighbors. Some of these stats can feel heavy that we're going to get into, but really this is an invitation to the life of our neighbors. And what a beautiful opportunity that is for us this morning. So, okay, they choose a church for its leader, but who is actually in the church? Let's see Nashville broadly. 70% of Nashville identifies as Christian. 70%. That's a lot. 70% self-identify as Christian. It is still socially viable to identify as Christian in Nashville. And I should have said earlier, when we talk about Nashville, we talk about like philosophical Nashville. Our survey size was the greater Nashville area. So it went down. So it hit Dixon uh, Murfreesboro, Mount Juliet, Hermitage, Jolton, that kind of big loop of Nashville and everyone in between. So um, 70% identify. Drops to 44% to churched adults. This is a big drop. <laughs> big drop. Churched adults is defined by going to church once a month. That's it. That's a defined churched adult. It drops even farther to 34% to practicing Christians, which means I attend church at least once a month, and I have some sort of faith practice that I do during the week. I pray, I read scripture, I have quiet time, I participate in a small group, I serve, I whatever. 34%. So a third of Nashville is practicing Christians. It's a fascinating thing. Four-point evangelicals, that's a Barnard Research term. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Um, I should have taken it off. Resilient disciples, a Barna research term. For perspective, Barna was super excited that Nashville was at 10%. Barna was stoked that we were 10% resilient disciples. And I was like, uh, 70% say they are. So no, you'll excuse me if I'm less than thrilled. And they're like, New York City is only 2%. And I was like, they're 13 times bigger than us. So it uh, would drop that way if that was a thing. But they were very excited. But let's talk about just West Nashville. Because we did it by zip code, we can break down all of this data. So let's look at um, 15% of the Bellevue West Nashville area attends weekly, 37% never, 21% once or twice a year, 13% two or three times a month, 15% once a month, once every two to three months, 13%. Those are my favorite people. Those are the people I wanna meet because I just wanna be like, why? What is happening every two to three months where you're like, well, I better go now? Like, what is it so disconnected? Like, it just doesn't a priority for you. And so I'm just, those are the people that fascinate me. I'm 13% live here. So if you're one of them, welcome. We're glad you're here. The View Church meets every Sunday and uh, would love to talk to you about why. So this is who is in church. And, we, and I say this because built off of the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah goes and listens to the city and finds out who the people of God are. You cannot begin to engage and bring people together if you don't know who is there and how they're showing up and how they're experiencing the church. And so there's this Nehemiah moment where he goes and he listens. And when he, he's done listening and he wants to seek the welfare of the city, he says, Some, someone has to come and seek the welfare of the city. And he invites the people of God to do that. They're going to be the ones that seek the welfare of the city. We're not going to continue to rely on the things that have got us here, but we are going to do something different. Let us arise and build, and the next actual word, I can't believe I left it off, is together. We are in this together. And then they set their hands to the good work of rebuilding a city. Nashville is rebuilding. We built it, and we are now rebuilding it and continuing to build it. Nashville has more cranes per capita than any other city in the country right now. We are building a city. And so what kind of city are we building and who are we building a city for? Okay, so if people are in church, once they get there, why do they stay, right? Okay, so they pick it because they see George's face on the website and they go, yeah, okay, I'll go listen to that guy. That's why they will show up. Why will they stay? So we ask them, and um, what would make them consider attending? If We're going to blow that up in a second. 20% of all of Nashville attends on Christmas and Easter. 20% of unchurched people. That, that's just a fascinating. A fifth of our city show up twice a year. That's just more to our church context of Nashville. The little circle graph, um, 78% of Nashville has spent time in a church in their life. So you hear a lot in the news and about national studies on this thing about, like, deconstruction, about people leaving the faith, about people walking away. In Nashville, we've only lost about 8%. Only 8% of people who identify as Christian have walked away from the faith. It's a really good number. That's startlingly high. But it also shows the opportunity and invitation we have into the lives of our neighbors. So let's blow up that second graph, what would make them consider attending. If I felt accepted and if I was warmly welcomed. Um, Look, they choose the church for the pastor, but then look, it drops to if I trusted the pastor's integrity, 25%. Like, I'll show up for them, but they don't have to be a great person. (laughs) Like, that's fine. Uh, But if I felt accepted and if I was warmly welcomed. We see this really heavily when we break it down by generation. Gen Z, born 97 to 2010. Those are our Gen Z folk and millennials, 83 to 97, a third of them would show up if they were invited. If they were invited. Most of our Gen Z and millennials in our city are not invited to church. And therefore, they're not coming. Because why would they, they're not being invited. And Nashville has a bit of a serial complex I mean, cereal is like the breakfast cereal. Like, you ever go, like, if I told you to go buy cereal and you showed up at Kroger and I didn't give you any more instruction, you'd be overwhelmed at the options and choices. There's so many choices. And so you're just not going to choose one or you're going to pick it at random and hope for the best. And that's what, and people are saying, I'd rather just not choose. But millennials and Gen Z would show up if they were personally invited, a third, 33%. 32% for millennials, 34% for Gen Z. We'll meet in the middle, 33%. That's an amazing opportunity. Those are the people most missing from our churches now, Gen Z, millennials. And they would show up a third if we were inviting them. All right, let's go to the next one. 50% of all adults see the church as offering hope. Well, that is an interesting contradiction. We don't trust them with our emotional needs, but we do see it as a place of hope if I would show up If we look at just West Nashville and Bellevue areas, um, 20% see it as somewhat favorable. Uh, 52% see it, 53% see it as very favorable. People are open to the church. People in Bellevue and West Nashville, in Charlotte Park, and all of these areas, the Hillwood cluster, they see it and they see it as a place of hope. So, how, as followers of Jesus, do we live into that? What are the opportunities in front of us? And that is a question for you all to be considering. If we follow Nehemiah's model, he invites them to arise and build together, and they begin. They don't wait for everyone to show up to do be doing any of the work. So they begin building. In chapter 4, they experience this reviving of community. They begin doing the work on their own. This small group of followers of the people of God began to build a city for everybody. And in chapter five, there's this amazing passage that, like, it almost skips over because it's a long list of people. Just lists everyone who was doing the work, and, and Nehemiah has to build a bigger table to include everyone. This is our goal: is to build a bigger table to include the people who say they are people of God, and invite them into the process. So people come. They connect to the work, they see the good things happening, and they say, Okay, I'm in, they stay, they feel welcome, they feel accepted. The table gets bigger, and then we ask, Well, how's it actually going? For the people around the table, you all, how's it going? Well, we asked, How are your relationships? Just the people in the church, people who would say, I'm Not only am I going to church, but I go at least once a month, how are your relationships? National churches is in red. Nashville is in yellow. You can see there's already a lower take right there. I'm content with my friendships and relationships. My relationships are satisfying as I would want them to be. My relationships are satisfying as I want them to be is on the right. I'm content with my friendships and relationships on the left. Nashville is 15% lower church adults. So they're getting around the table, but it's not resulting in the community that they hope for. It's not resulting in the depth, the satisfaction, the, the contentment relationally that we want. And I don't think that this is a new entity. It's tempting to br- blame the state of relationships on COVID. It's attempting to blame it on our reliance on digital screens, on our connectedness around the world through whatever. It's, it's, It's tempting to do that, but I think this has been trending for a lot longer than that. And I say that as someone who has led in Nashville since 2012 and 13. I've seen and experienced this discontentment in my own life and I have seen it in the lives of my friends and people I'm walking with. And so how do we engage in this, in building these up? Honest, through honesty vulnerability, through presence, through incarnation, through showing up, Um, George talked about Restore Small Groups, that Seth leads. What a great opportunity to find relationships that build life. So let's look. All right, so relationally, we're not doing great. Well, what about the rest of life? On the left is all adults. Hold on. Yes, on the left is all adults. On the right is broken down by generation. How are we doing? There's a couple really interesting things So we asked them, would you show up at a church if it helped with your spiritual growth and development? 94% of people in the church said, yeah, let's let's do that. Even though that's not why they choose a church, they do want that. The most fascinating one, and you see through my little fancy arrow there, 65% of unchurched adults would attend if it helped with their mental and emotional health. Two-thirds of people currently not in church right now would show up if the church spoke to their mental and emotional health. What a beautiful invitation into the life of our neighbors. We know that the church has something to say about this. We know that Jesus says, my burden is easy. My yoke is light. We know that we have an opportunity to speak into the mental and emotional health of our neighbors. Vocational career and well-being. They'd love the church to, you know, like relational well-being and very high. We want the church to speak into our relationships. Our relationships aren't thriving, but two-thirds said mental and emotional health, which raises the question, well, how is your mental and emotional health, right? If you want the church to speak to it, how is your mental and emotional health? So the next, so we said, what does it look like? Red is all adults, yellow is churched adults. The first thing, if you just glance at it, there's not much difference between the red and the yellow. They're pretty much the same. There's almost no difference between those in the church and those without, on the outside, with their mental and emotional health. So the church as a whole, is not doing well into this speaking. Eighty um, percent of Gen Z says it experiences loneliness weekly. Eighty percent. Eighty percent say they experience loneliness weekly. Ugh, oh, it hurts. Burnout, depression, fear, anxiousness, stress. Anxiety in Nashville is 18% higher than the national average. 18% higher. Our city has emotional needs. Our stress is 22% higher than national average, 22%. and And it's across every generation. Gen Z, 87, millennial, 91, Gen X, almost 80. Even boomers, 63%. Significantly higher than national averages. Our people are anxious. Our people are stressed. Our people are hurting. Our neighbors are hurting. And they want the church to speak into that. They want the church to be part of this conversation. And when we talk about stress, it kind of leads us into a conversation about trauma. And um, we're going to talk about trauma. But the opportunity here is what I hope you are feeling is a weight and also a processing of what is the role and responsibility of the church to speak to the anxiousness, to the stress, to the depression, the fear, the burnout, all of it. And in Nehemiah, it continues to show us the way. The people of God were in the city. That's what it says. That's all it says. The people of God were in the city. Chapter 5, they build a bigger table. Chapter 6, it lists all the people. Chapter 7, it says, the people of God were in their city. Are you in your city? How are you showing up? This is this incarnational moment where we see our invitation to be physically present. You know, Seth shared at the beginning that sometimes your physical body's here, your heart's over there, Your mind is over there. Your energy is elsewhere. Like, we are divided people. We we have competing things in our lives. And so how are we showing up presently, incarnationally, in our city? And we have a new way to show. We need a new way to show up. And so we talked about stress being 22% higher than the national average. When we talk about stress, it leads us into a conversation about trauma. And when we talk about trauma, we're talking about stress. Trauma is defined as essentially toxic stress ongoing, pervasive, toxic stress. There's um, regular, everyday stress that we all experience. It's like normal, healthy, appropriate. You experience something in a moment, it's stressful, you have a deadline at work, you hit it, it moves on, you move on with your life. There's intermediate stress, which is kind of how we define a significant one-time event, car accident, death in the family, one of those bigger events that you kind of need people to rally around you, but you kind of move on. Toxic stress is this ongoing idea, these significant events that have happened that create trauma. That is the definition of trauma that we used when we asked them, Have you experienced trauma? When we asked the people of Nashville, personally experienced trauma, almost 50% of Nashville has. Abuse, neglect, ongoing harm almost 50%, look at that compared to the U.S. average. We are significantly higher in our experience of trauma. And again, this can feel overwhelming. This can feel burdensome. This can feel hard to navigate that almost one in two people in our city have experienced this level of trauma. Now, when you study trauma, the way that you mitigate it is through resilience. And the way that you build resilience in people is one of the primary ways is consistent adult relationships. What entity is better equipped to be consistent adult relationships than the local church? The local church is the number one entity to build resilience. And we have this beautiful opportunity to be that in the lives of those of our neighbors who've experienced stress, who experienced trauma, who are experiencing this mental health crisis. And in Nehemiah, they begin to see the healing and thriving of the city begin to take place. And the world realized that this work had been accomplished by the help of God. Man, that God was present, that God was showing up and the people of God in this city began to do this together and the world took notice. If we are going to be present in our city, if we are going to bring transformation, how are we looking at our world? And if we're going to bring healing and thriving, then what do people want to see the church do? Luckily, we asked them, hey, what do you want to see the church do? And so they identified five areas communally and five areas personally. And these were the top five answers that they want to see the church make an impact. Number one, homelessness. The most visible problem, also the group of people who experience trauma, usually find themselves unhoused. Poverty and hunger, 50, 49%. Support of local charities. This is interesting because Nashville is a city of nonprofits. We have a lot, and they're doing really good things. I'm, I work for one. Uh, Seth works for one. This is one. Uh, but Nashville does not have a reputation of nonprofits working together. We do not have a reputation of partnership. We do not have a reputation of, hey, let's do this together. And when we ask non-Christians what they'd like to see the church do, one of the things they said is support the local nonprofits doing good work. Uh, Racial injustice is number four. We want to see the church speak to that. If you look at just millennials and, and Gen Z, that jumps to number two significant opportunity for us in Nashville. Human trafficking is number five. The reason, Nashville's home to a lot of human trafficking nonprofits. Hey, good job guys, you're getting the message out there, you're doing good work. It doesn't show up in any other city's data. Personal issues, mental illness, suicide, domestic violence, substance abuse. One through four can be classified as experiences of trauma and or mental and emotional well-being. Mental and emotional well-being. Those are the personal issues, that the social issues, that our city wants to see the church address. And again, two-thirds would show up if the church did address those things. What a great opportunity for us as the church of, of Nashville to be here for our community. Now, the most resounding thing that our city was in agreement in might shock you, it shocked me, um, 96% of neighbors say access to equitable education is important, 96%. Now we're gonna get into a very divisive conversation around what do you mean by equitable and educate, like we're, it's gonna break down here in a second, but everyone wants to see this happen. And so if we're gonna get be gathered in a school this morning, I think we should talk about it. So let's look at MMPS as a whole first. 163 schools in our district, over, over 82,000 students, 145 countries are represented in Metro Nashville public schools. 145 countries. Does anyone know how many countries there are? How much? In the world, yes. 215. Recognized countries, there's 191. 74% of the world is in our school system here in Nashville right now. Tomorrow, well, not tomorrow, they're on fall break, but next Monday they'll be back. 74% of the world is here. What a beautiful opportunity for us. 126 languages of origin. That one always gets skipped over a lot when we talk about how Metro Nashville Public Schools is doing. <laughs> They're doing amazing. They're speaking 126 different languages. 62% of Davidson County is white, yet only 24% of MNPS students are white. Just an interesting, equitable conversation to think through. Uh, walking in, I saw Gower's reward schools uh, signs out front that they were a reward school in 1718. That means they made a jump out of the, um, their starting level when they did state testing. Um, Forty-eight reward schools were identified last year, out of sixty-two schools. Forty-eight of their schools jumped to a new level of educa- like a new level of competency. What a beautiful thing that's happening in our school district. Um, the district received advancing status, which is the second highest status it can be in the state of Tennessee. It missed it by 08 percent of being uh, the, the highest tier only by 0.8%. The only other district, Williamson County. It missed it by 0.8%. Williamson County has 52 schools. We have 163, 0.8%. And you know what its number one issue was? Attendance. I missed it because of attendance. Because we're dealing with 162, or 145 different countries and cultures and priorities and experiences, and access, and all of these things. All right, but that's MMPS, let's talk about Gower. Let's talk about here. 70 teachers and staff, 622 students, uh, 23% black, 46% white, 22% Hispanic. Um, A quarter of the school qualifies for free and reduced lunch. 20% have English as a second language. There are 24 languages spoken in this school alone. This school holds 24. English, Spanish, Vietnamese, and Arabic are the primary languages that are spoken, those primary first languages spoken here. What a beautiful opportunity for us to love our students and our staff really well. And I know you guys are doing that, and I just get so excited about it and fired up. We're part of a network of 118 churches throughout Nashville, partnering with public schools through United for Hope. It is now Metro Nashville Public Schools. Dr. Battle, the superintendent, says, We want a church partner at every school. The public school system has said, We want a church partner at every school. What a beautiful opportunity for our city to build a city where all can flourish. I know you all are doing that, and I know Gower has spoken so highly of your community, and so we're excited about that. But if we're going to be here, we should know what it is happening here when we're not here. It's an incarnation. It's an experience of incarnation to know what is happening in. And so the book of Nehemiah ends like this. All this stuff has been happening. All of these things have been occurring. This work, the people of God have said, hey, the city shouldn't be like this. They begin to partner together. They begin to do work together. And this everyday simple kingdom results in wholeness in vocation, wholeness in relationships, and loving our neighbor. It brings transformation and shalom to the city, to all who choose this place. The people of God blessed all those who chose to live in the city. Not just people of God, not just followers of Jesus. Everyone experienced the goodness and wholeness because the people of God showed up. In chapter 11, chapter 12, the joy of the city was heard from far away. We know Nashville has an international audience. We know people are looking and paying attention and watching us as a city. And our influence, our impact can be a city renewed and the joy of the city will be heard around the world. And this is our opportunity today. This is our opportunity going forward. This is our opportunity as we seek to live out as incarnational placed people who care about the world and yet who love our neighbors very well. And so um, I want to invite George up and we're going to keep going. We're going to talk about... Answer some questions. One or two. Yeah. I have to be sensitive to the uh, Yes, I know I went. The
0: children's back there. Here's what I'd like to do. By the way, thank you, Adam, for being here and sharing all this with us. It's so, so helpful and meaningful. And it can feel overwhelming, all that. But maybe we could just sum it up like this. Adam, and, uh, and by the way, this is the beginning of the conversation for us. I feel like we have a partnership with Operation Andrew. They're going to help us become a better church in our community, and we, we want to support the initiatives of, of what they're doing. So this is just the beginning of the conversation. But here's, here's what I would like to do. If you have a question um, that you would like to ask Andrew about some of this, um, he's going to hang out right here, and please come up. Um, here's, here's the way we're going to worship. We're going to worship by being willing to listen. Do you realize you can, we can worship with the way we listen to the needs around us, the world around us? Um, I was fascinated as a pastor. Uh, one of the churches I worked at, when, that, when anyone called for anything um, at this church I was at, they got George. And I had no idea what people, was it a spiritual question, or, you know, did someone die? But one thing I discovered after just meeting with people, hundreds of people over years, was I was just surprised by how just listening to people, how they would automatically begin to feel better. Um, so two things we're going to invite us to do. We're going to listen to what this research is teaching us, how we could show up as a church in our side of town and do some good work and help care for the world around us. But two, we're going to listen to each other and how we could become that church because all of us have a part of it. And I'm a bit fearful of people coming just for the pastor because I only see a small part of it. And I will do my part as best as I can. But the truth is, we, all of us here, we hold it all together. So that's just what we're going to do together. We're going to listen to this um, research, and then we're going to listen to each other. And let's see um, how God might do his work. But uh, I want to just pray pray for us as we leave. Um, Andrew will be up here.
1: Adam will be up here.
0: Did I just say Andrew again?
1: I promise we're friends.
0: You see how hopeless it is? People are coming to this church because of me? (laughs) Because of me, yes. (laughs) And I'm calling this guy my new friend. He's like, I don't know if I want to be this guy's friend, Greg. (laughs) Um, Good, nice. All right. Um, Would you all stand with me? I got a lot of repairing to do with Adam here. (laughs) So pray for me and pray for him. But let's just pray. As we go, God, I know um, just hearing some of this can both be uh, thrilling and exciting and a bit overwhelming. Um, so, would you just help us process what we've heard today? Because I bet each of us have heard it a little differently, um, that helps us engage with this in a meaningful way. Um, There are things that we all in here need personally, and we need this church to love us in that way. There are things that we are to do communally that are going to love the world around us, and we need your help. This pastor needs your help. Um, This city needs your help. But God, I don't want any of us leaving here with the patience of just processing what we've heard. And then the work of your spirit um, guiding us to open up to how we might contribute in some meaningful way. Would you help us do that both personally and communally? And um, God, would you love our city? Would you love us? And would you help each of us be a part of the solution of what it means to bring your love to each other and to the world? We give you thanks that you're going to help us do that. And it's in the name of love that we all pray. Amen.